If you have a Bible with you today, find the book of Colossians, Colossians, and we're going to start uh, in chapter number two, is where we are going to be, I was not sure there. Okay, Colossians number two, I'm fired up about this this morning, uh, it has been on my heart, it has been something that has kind of just overflowed in my life, and I believe this is so important. In fact, let me just kind of start by saying this, like let me remind you that every time we open the word of God, we have an opportunity to hear God speak. He has, he has spoken to us. We have his very word. And when we open that thing up and get into that, you have an opportunity. And in a moment like this, in a situation like this, like, come on, open up your heart, open up your mind, and let's, and let's go into these next few moments in, a, in just a significant um, understanding of what we have right here. There are places all over the world who do, that do not have this right here that we have, and we go through the motions as Americans way too often. Are you with me? Okay, so let's, I, like, I'm fired up this morning, and let's get into this with the right attitude uh, and our minds open and expectant. Today is the second part of just a four-part little series of messages that we've, we've been using the phrase, growing in Christ. Growing in Christ. Uh, we are an outward-focused church. Uh, it's our focus, it's our passion, like we feel like this is why we exist, to, to reach out to the people who are outside of our church family. Uh, that's, that's locally, that's globally, that's the future generation. We talk about those types of things. And uh, we, we use this phrase to reach one more, one more person with the message that Jesus loves them, the message of uh, that there is grace, there's forgiveness, it's this beautiful thing. Okay, that is available. We talk about that all the time. It is who we are. But listen to me, if that's as far as we get, and if, if that's like the, the end point of our mission, then we are massively falling short uh, and missing the fullness of, of what we would call the gospel. That word gospel just means the good news of what Jesus uh, has done. Uh, understand that the call of Jesus like if we say it that way, is not just this one-time moment where you say a prayer or raise a hand. And in our culture, we kind of mess this up a little bit as Americans, and oftentimes we just try to get through this stuff with the least amount of effort and the least amount of whatever, and, and so now I did that and now I'm good. That is a massive misunderstanding of what Jesus came to do. Okay, the call of Jesus was not a one-time little thing. The call of Jesus is discipleship. That's the word that the Bible would use here to become a disciple of Jesus, which is not just a moment thing. It is not just a, 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 like a couple minutes or whatever. This is a lifetime ongoing thing. It never actually stops. We, we will never actually fully get there this side of heaven. It is a constant, every day. It's learning, it's growing, it's changing. It's living and acting more and more like Jesus every single day. Like the way that Jesus would live and act if he was here right now. Central Minnesota, 2022. That, that's the call of Jesus to be a disciple. 
to be a disciple. And the theme verse for these four weeks comes from uh, Colossians chapter 2. This passage of scripture just screams this idea of growing in Christ. Let me read this to you. Uh, It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Like just as you accepted Christ as your Lord. If we stop there, that's that first part. That's the first step. That's the decision. That's like uh, committing, giving my life to Jesus Christ, but it's never meant to stop there. Just as you accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Now understand, follow him is disciple language. Continue to follow him. The picture here is Jesus and his followers. We must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, into Jesus, that means. And let your lives be built on him. The illustration here is like a tree or a plant of some sort. A tree, it's not just growing up. A tree is growing down as well. At every moment. You don't see it that way. You don't look at it maybe. But the, but the roots of a tree have everything to do with the overall strength, right? Like you understand that. That's right from like the, the book of duh. Okay? You got it. There's a book. I, there is. Okay? The strength of a tree has everything to do with what's going on underneath here. Underneath. Uh, and, and the stronger the root system, the better the tree is able to withstand the junk that happens to it, the wind, the weather, tornadoes, whatever that, okay? Like that's the picture here we see from the Bible. We accept Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Our roots must continue to grow down. Um, And as our roots go down into him and our lives begin to be built on him, and then the promise is your faith will grow stronger and stronger. And that's what these four weeks are really about. Uh, we're talking from a biblical perspective the ways in which we grow spiritually and the ways in which we develop roots in a spiritual sense. Last week, Pastor Corey spoke, if you were here, and he talked about how we actually grow through, through teaching. And, and that makes sense. You know, that's not rocket science there. But through hearing the word of God, through learning and knowing and uh, Knowing more, having more knowledge about God, about the Bible, about sin, about love and grace. Uh, Knowing more and applying it to our lives is a massive formula to what growing spiritually actually looks like. And I can look back in my life, and maybe you can as well, at moments where I learned something, where something clicked uh, in my mind from the Bible that someone taught me, and it was like, a life-changing different direction as that, as that happened for me, okay? And spiritually, I was further along. So today, that was last week, today is kind of a second piece to spiritual growth. And what we're going to see is that our individual spiritual growth, don't miss this, our individual spiritual growth seems to be connected to and with the people we surround ourselves with. Our individual spiritual growth, even though it's very personal, is very much connected to who we surround ourselves. Or just to say it bluntly, our relationships impact our spiritual lives. Our relationships impact our spiritual lives. And I want to show you this from the Bible. Uh, But before we get to that, let's just take a moment and pray together. So stand with me all over this place. All right. Stretch out a little bit. You got to be ready. And let's just pray together. Father God, we 
we really do just open our hearts and our lives to you today and just ask that as we open your very word that significant life-changing things would come. Uh, that teaching God would, would open things for us, um, but also just as we learn the principles here about relationships and different things, that this would, that this would kind of blow, blow up our spiritual lives in a massively good way. And so God, we just give this to you. We humbly, humbly just open our hearts to you, O oh God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Come on. That's good, that's good. Okay, are you ready? Wow. We are so ready. You're like, my toes are frozen still. I, don't, I have frostbite over here. I don't even know what's going on, okay? Uh, in physics, are you ready? We're learning physics today. In physics, there's a confusing principle known as synergy. Synergy. Uh, it's a situation where one plus one actually equals three or sometimes four. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Uh, like, wait a minute, I doubt one plus one equals two. Let me explain, okay? The word synergy is defined like this. It's the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. Now, that was a little bit scientific and stuff, and maybe you still don't know what's going on. Let me illustrate it like this. Uh, you know those massive horses? They call them draft horses. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those beastly horses. Uh, a draft horse by itself, on average, can pull around 8,000 pounds. Just naturally, they can pull about 8,000 pounds of weight. But here's the crazy thing. You put two draft horses together, and they can somehow pull 24,000 pounds. All right? Like, mathematically, that does not make sense. 8,000 plus 8,000 should not equal 24,000. And if you take the time to train them how to work together, they can actually pull 32,000 pounds of weight. So that's synergy, and the power of synergy lies in the fact that multiplication, not addition, seems to take place when they are working as a team. So here's our equation. One draft horse equals 8,000 pounds of pull. Two draft horses equal 24,000 pounds, but three draft horses trained properly to work together can actually pull 32,000 pounds. Come on, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah, doesn't make any sense, but it sounds awesome. Uh, two things can produce better results than the two things individually. It's multiplication when you'd expect simple addition. And here's why I bring this up even as an illustration at all, is I believe that the Bible actually points to the fact that our spiritual growth can be multiplied when the right relationships are in place and when those relationships are accomplishing some very specific things in our lives. Okay? And let's start with a super basic passage of scripture. This is Proverbs chapter 13, a well-known verse, just says, walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Fairly blunt verse, don't really need to even explain this to you. Uh, this is Bible, but it's also science, it's also psychology. We are influenced by our surroundings. 
Whether you want to admit that or not, you are influenced by your surroundings. That includes the people that you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with wise people and you will grow wise. Or for the sake of today, we could say surround yourself with God-centered, God-focused people and you will grow in God. And the opposite is true as we have the second half, a companion of fools suffers harm. Another translation of this into English actually says, like, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. That's so good, isn't it? All right. And we could take this in all sorts of different directions in life. Uh, Okay, we could say hang out with Packers fans and, okay, we won't go there. But you get it, okay? Like, you understand. But at the very core of of this verse is not that you will become smarter by hanging out with smarter people or dumber by hanging out with dumber people. Like, but this is completely and in every way talking about spiritual things here. This is the Bible. This is not just about you having a better life and being wiser. This is spiritual here. Wisdom here has everything to do with godly living. If you dive into Proverbs, you will see this. And so the second part, very simply, like surround yourself with people who are not God-focused and you will become less God-focused. That's the equation that we have here. Now, when I read this verse, walk with the wise, become wise, companion, fool, suffer, harm, you know what I didn't think? I didn't think to myself, uh, oh, Well, I guess some people just get luckier than others and end up with the right friends. That's not what this is right here. When I read this, and the context of this right here is, this is about a person actually having the ability to be strategic and purposeful about this stuff. Like you, for the most part, have the ability to choose. I know you can't choose your family or your coworkers and all of that type, okay? So, so understand where I'm going here. But for the most part, you have the ability to choose who you spend significant time with and understand that that is going to impact your spiritual life. It comes out of that. How many of you remember MySpace? Anybody remember MySpace? <laughs> Okay, not as many. This was, MySpace was the thing before Facebook. If you didn't know that, you're like, I don't know what this is, okay? But MySpace, uh, one of the craziest things about MySpace was you could actually rank your friends. Yeah, yeah. So let me explain. Like, and this, this was brutal. I can't believe they did this. You'd have like 200 social media friends on your MySpace account, but you could pick your top eight and actually order them. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, this friend, okay, yeah, you're my number one friend, and I'm going to put here, and my brother, you're the number, you're my number two friend over here, and my mother-in-law, you're, okay, never mind, all right, but uh, (laughs) shouldn't have said that, scratch that, all right, Uh, but you got to choose, you got to choose, and you'd find yourself moving up and down on your friends' lists, yeah, absolutely, but, but listen, you, you still have the ability, like not in a public way, please don't do this in a public way, uh, but th- like we have the ability to choose how much time we spend with specific people in our lives. Uh, we truly do. I'll say it this way, it's absolutely possible for you to prioritize your relationship in a way that impacts your spiritual growth. It's absolutely possible. Walk with the wise, become wise, companion of fools, suffers harms. Write this down. I believe that every follower of Christ should have relationships that are built primarily on a mutual pursuit of God. 
Relationships built on a, primarily on a mutual pursuit of God. See, typically our friends come from mutual interests. You know, when you're in high school, you're on the basketball team and your friends are the basketball players. It just kind of worked like that. You hang out with those people or, or like you really like spending time with that person because they're fun and we're friends with that person in that way. But rarely do we take the time to actually think, how is this relationship with this person going to impact my spiritual life? And if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ who cares about your spiritual growth and getting and learning and growing is like is central to the, what you want, then, then understand you should have strategic, purposeful relationships that are built on this mutual pursuit of God. Now, these aren't the only relationships we have. That's not what I mean to say at all. Like you don't you don't like just ditch all the people that are not. Whatever, but that's not what this means. But there should be relationships in your life that are built on the mutual pursuit of God. Proverbs chapter, chapter 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Again, another verse that can go in all sorts of different directions. This could be athletics. They, I play basketball with this guy, and he makes me a better basketball player. Academics, parenting, marriage, or in your career, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. But understand the context of the book of Proverbs. Already been there. Proverbs is not just for people to have a more productive life. This is about God. When, okay, when you proactively, on purpose, surround yourself with others who are pursuing God as well, you will sharpen each other. Sharpen each other. In this context, what does it mean to be sharpened? This is spiritual growth. Understand that. Okay? Now, that is, all num- that is all part number one of this message right there. Um, there's only two parts. Some of you are like, he's going to say 14, I know it. No, there's only two parts, okay? Uh, Every Christian should have these relationships. Strategically, proactively, relationships built on this mutual pursuit of God. That's spiritual growth as being a part. Okay, now let's move on to part number two here, which is this. Biblically, there are actually several ways that relationships and spiritual growth happens. Okay? In the context of relationships, there are specific things that should be there in order for spiritual growth to begin to happen. Let me show you a few of these. Uh, we'll start with this one. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 just says, encourage one another and build each other up. Now, this is uh, multiple places in the Bible. We'll just show one or two of them here. Okay? First, we see encouragement as a part of this mutual pursuit of God relationship. The dictionary definition of encouragement The action of giving someone support or confidence or hope. So what are we saying here? You should have spiritual relationships in your life that do that. That give you that. That give you support when you need it. That give you hope when you are lacking hope. Uh, and, and, and honestly, this is one where, where many of us look at this and we're like, oh yeah, I've got that. My, my bestie and me, we, we encourage each other all the time, all right? Uh, but I would raise an argument here that there is a difference when this comes from a spiritual Jesus follower angle 
as compared to just being a, a friends who encourage each other. Support is always nice. Encouragement is always nice. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like when Jesus is involved in this picture right here. And a person with a mutual pursuit of God and that relationship speaks life and support and confidence and hope in a much different way. What I'm saying is, this is more than you just having a friend that you can cry on their shoulder or someone just to listen to you. This is a God-centered, Jesus-focused friend that approaches encouragement from that angle because understand this, it is 100% possible for you to receive bad encouragement. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Unhealthy encouragement, encouragement that actually leads you in the wrong direction, that leads you towards bitterness. I, I've been around people where where something happened and the encouragement was, yeah, that person should never have done that. And then the person's here saying, yeah, they shouldn't have, should they? You know, they should not have. And all of a sudden, I'm leaving bitter instead of encouraged from a spiritual point. Okay, the book of Hebrews says it this way. Uh, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Okay, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. By the way, this is a great verse right here that like, you know, you have someone that says, I don't need to go to church and be a Christian. The Bible would disagree. The Bible would disagree. Okay, but part of this encouraging, and this is why I'm using this scripture here, part of this encouraging is spurring somebody on towards love and towards good deeds. Now, all through the lens of Jesus here, by the way. Question, when... When you need encouragement, do you have someone in your life that brings that from a Christ-centered, Jesus-focused perspective? If not, you should. And you are missing an opportunity to deepen your spiritual life. If your encouragement is coming from nothing but your best friends and whatever else, you are missing an opportunity here for spiritual growth. All right, next. The book of James, uh, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer and confession. Prayer and confession. And to be blunt about this, this verse right here is one of the most not applied verses in the entire Bible. Let me, what is, what do I mean by that? It's not done very often. Many of you come from a background of confessing sins to a priest or something like that. Understand, and I don't, I don't mean to like, I don't like to talk uh, about other denominations and other churches, but the Bible never tells us to do that. It's not in there, not one time, to confess your sins to a priest. It's not there. But the Bible does tell us to confess our sins directly to God, very clearly, 1 John 1, 9, okay, and others like that. Uh, that makes sense. We do that. It also tells us to confess our sins one to another, as Christians, like each other here is from one Christian to another. Confess your sins to each other. And in our culture, I'm telling you, we don't like this, do we? Like we don't, we don't, we don't like to admit our failures. We, we, we're ashamed by the junk that's on the inside and we'd rather just pretend that it's not there. We live with secrets. We live with 
lies. We, like we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves that, th- that this stuff isn't that big a deal. We hide and it's horribly unhealthy. And in many cases, it it's directly results to a stagnant Christian life. Because we're filled with all sorts of junk and we have no, like we never deal with it. A relationship that is built on a mutual pursuit of God should involve being open and honest about your failures, verbally telling of the things that are getting in the way of your spiritual growth. We should confess okay, our sins one to another. Okay, we're just going to take a couple minutes and do that. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just tell them all the stuff you've done wrong this week, okay? I'll wait. No. Uh, but, but, but seriously, think about how crazy that feels. And I would bet if I were to ask the question of us in this place, how many of you are regularly doing that? How many of us have a person that we are confessing our sins to? I bet the percentage would be massively low. Would you agree? Like this is, this is straight Bible. There's no way to, there's no way to like work around this. Oh, I think possibly he means something different. I don't know. How do you, how does that not mean what it says? I, 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 okay, seriously, this is something that is missing from us. Confession and prayer. Confession and prayer, okay? We should confess our sins to one another and we should pray for each other. And our prayer, our prayer here should be part of the healing process for that person and in this context right here we we like to use we like to use the end of this verse um, in church especially in churches like ours to say see prayer prayer the prayer of a righteous person is powerfully powerful and effective so we're going to pray and things are going to happen this is directly in the context of confessing your sins and praying for this person to be healed directly in the context i'm not saying prayer doesn't work in other places but this because that's the context of this verse right here confession and prayer and before we move on just ask yourselves do i have someone in my life where this is happening where this is happening do i have someone i'm confessing my sins to and if the answer to that question is no we are missing an opportunity for spiritual growth Missing an opportunity for spiritual growth. Okay, one more. Galatians chapter 6. We're building a case of, of like our relationships. Walk with the wise, grow, like grow wise. Iron sharpens iron right here. Um, but there are specific things that the Bible points to that should be in there as well. Encouragement, confession, and prayer. Here's the last one. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. What is this? This is confrontation. That's awesome, isn't it? Confrontation. A pursuit of God, mutual friendship should include confrontation. What do I mean by that? There should be times in your life when this person sees things in you that are not okay and they feel safe enough to say them to you, to bring that up, to confront you on things, destructive behaviors, destructive thinkings that are not right. Our scripture here uses the word sin, just 
blatantly, okay? Who in your life has permission to speak freely and to call you out when things they see are not okay? Who has permission to do that? Who has a green light to say things that are hard for you to hear? To say offensive things to you or in that way, but you won't get offended. Proverbs chapter 27. This, is the only place that, this isn't the only place that this comes up. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. There are times in our lives when this friend in this relationship like this should say something that can feel very offensive to us. It can even feel like a wound where the truth is spoken in a way that it almost hurts. But the truth is, we live in a culture that doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Would you agree? Okay, and even friends. If you're like me, you have friends and you see bad things in them. Things they say, things they post on social media, attitudes that aren't very godly. At different, these are, this is Christian stuff, and yet we oftentimes do not feel the green light to say that stuff to them, do we? And this should be a part, okay? This should be a part of it. We see things in our friends, destructive, sinful things, and we're afraid to open our mouths. Like, I'm, Pastor Kyle, I'm okay with being an encourager. I love that one. But confrontation, that's not really my personality. Well, it needs to be. It needs to be. It does. Like, it, if you don't have a Jesus-centered friend who is calling sin out of your life, then you are missing a biblical opportunity for spiritual growth. That's hard, isn't it? Iron, iron sharpens iron through friction, not holding hands. Sparks are part of iron sharpening iron. Things are hard. Things are almost violent when iron sharpens iron. Music team, will you please come? Okay, time for a review. Are you ready? So the good news is if you haven't taken any notes, you could just take them all right now because I'm going to just say everything I just said all over again just so that we can get the, okay? Every, every follower of Christ should have, a, should have relationships built primarily on a mutual pursuit of God. Walk with the wise, you grow wise. Okay, don't miss this. And we proactively pursue these relationships. These relationships should be built on encouragement, confession, prayer and confrontation among other things we, we, we could add to this list and I don't mean to, for this to be exhaustive right here now a couple things to be crazy clear on uh, first relationships like this don't just happen that you don't just all of a sudden show up and you're like hey it happened this is great relationships like this come on purpose and they come with clarity what do I mean by that like uh, things are clearly communicated. Let's spiritually grow together here. Also understand, confession will not happen unless you are proactive about it, strategic about it, unless you, like, it has to be set up ahead of time. You don't just sit down with your best friend and say, I just have to confess. Okay, that's not what this is right here. Like, this has to be set up or it won't happen. I, I need this relationship to, to involve confession. Can we do that, okay? And confrontation 
will not happen in a healthy way, by the way, without giving permission for somebody to confront you. Okay? Like, we, we don't like to say hard things, uh, and so we don't. And you must give people permission or specific people permission to confront you. Listen, I want you to feel like you can call me out on things. I, I, I give you permission to do that. To say the hard things, even if it hurts me initially, I want you to be that person for me. It has to happen that way. Your spiritual journey is, is meant to be traveled with other people. You were created to pursue God in the company of other people. Life groups, they're great and they're a start. And in the past, in the past, I've, I've kind of tagged life groups onto sermons about relationships and our spiritual lie. Like, we, like I've, I've talked about that and we push people to get, to get together in our small groups to get to know each other. But listen to me, as I studied this this week, like life groups are the tip of the stinking iceberg on this. Uh, and they're not enough. They're not enough. Lots of people get in life groups, but not very many at all have what we're talking about today. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness, okay? Spiritual growth is central. Walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm strategically. Okay, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we could go, when I, when I started this sermon, I had like 15 scripture verses. Okay, I narrowed it down to like five. Please stand with me all over this place. Before we go, we're just going to take just a few minutes to, to sing together. But I want, I want our singing part here to even just almost be a, a reflection piece as well. As we sing to a God that is worthy of our praise and sing to a God, we give him thanks for what he has done. But today, I, I feel personally that God has spoken so clearly to me. Uh, on some things that need to be adjusted straight from the Bible in my life. And I would be lying to say that everything that I just preached, I have implemented perfectly in my life. Let, let me be clear. I, I, like, I have to. This, is, this has been a game changer for me this week. And for some of us, like we can fight this and you can say, well, that's ridiculous. I'm not confessing and confronting. And like, that sounds awful. Okay. The question just like becomes, how important is spiritual growth to you and your relationship with God? Because you grow through teaching, and and, and over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna we're gonna see you grow through Bible and prayer, personal disciplines, and that type of stuff. And we're gonna we're gonna like lay that out. And there are other ways that we grow, but but. Very clearly, the Bible points to a number of different places and ways where your relationships specifically uh, help or hinder your relationship with God. You have an opportunity today for spiritual growth through teaching. But spiritual growth through teaching really only happens when we leave this place and we apply things to our lives. Knowledge 
and learning more and getting under, like that's all, that's great. That's great. But it really should result in something being different in your life. And so this right here is an opportunity as we have learned something that maybe for, maybe for many of us in this place, you never thought about it this way. And we have an opportunity to walk out these doors and to put into place some of these things that are going to help us. Some of us, you have, you have major failures in your life and you look back and you say, I messed up here and this was significant and it caused damage, okay? Think about it from this perspective. If we are confessing our sins to, to, to one another, and if we feel that someone has a green light to speak into our life and confront, how less often are we going to make a massive error when it comes to sin? I mean, come on, this makes sense, doesn't it? Like, but, but we, just, we just don't do this. We don't do it. I don't know if it's because in, in America we're just so individualistic about things and, and this is my journey and I don't want to this or whatever. Like, th- that's not how this was ever supposed to work. You, you were supposed to grow in your relationship with God in a community and in, and in specific relationships where these things happen. Do you have that? Do you have that? Before we go... You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a moment just about that whole thing. But before we get to that, I do just want to take a moment and, and talk about the first part of our verse. We looked at Colossians, whatever, and it said, you know, it, it talked about this journey where the journey started with this decision that was made. And maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, I've, like, I've never really even done that part where I have accepted the message of Jesus and, um, and kind of responded to that. And with no one looking around, just a time of privacy and just kind of reflection here before we're done, who here in this place would just say, I I have never really done that part. I've never responded to the message of Jesus. I've never given my life to him. And And I want to do that today. If that's you, will you just show me your hand very quickly? Just show me your hand. If you are watching this behind a screen right now, like... You can do this too. You can respond to this and there's a spot you can click on and fill some stuff out. But anyone in this place right here that would just say, yes, that's me. I want to respond to the message of Jesus today for the first time. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. All right, church, let's just say a prayer together. These aren't magic words. That's not how this works. It's a heart thing between you and God. But let's just pray this together. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Can we just celebrate? If that was you today, like, we, we celebrate with you. In fact, it's pretty cool. The Bible actually says, like, like, when someone makes that decision, the angels in heaven, like, rejoice. So I don't know what that looks like, but it sounds pretty cool, huh? Okay. Um, let me just close us in prayer here, praying about all of this type of stuff. And so, God, we, we just pray for this moment where we have heard uh, from your very word something that I think many of us are not doing and don't have. And God, I just pray that we would take this opportunity and this teaching 
and that this would be applied to our lives and that, and that our sin at different moments would be called out, that our confession to each other would, would lead to healing and restoration. Uh, God, that we would be encouraged when we need that and that this would just beautifully be a part of who we are and what we're about. God, bring incredible spiritual growth uh, as we have this and we mutually pursue God together. God, as we walk out these doors today, let us uh, tell people your story and show people your love and, and uh, God, be on mission for what you have called us to do and to be. We love you, God. We need you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen.